right, new series, new sermon title. Mike has some great slides back there, and as we go, he's going to be popping up a few things there. I've got a destiny I'm trying to get to right here today, but I'm not going to get in a hurry. We're just going to go. I want to do the introduction. The introduction is really the challenge, and I want to challenge you. I'd love to get to the book introduction today, and I hope that I can do that, but if I don't, you'll understand we're not going anywhere anyway. We're just waiting on Jesus to come get us. Y'all all right? Amen. And listen, if you left your glasses up here on my pulpit, they're nice, but they're the wrong prescription. So you can just come get them after the service, okay? All right. And Jude, we are going to the great little book of Jude. is probably one of the most neglected books in the New Testament. People forget that it's there. And by the time I'm finished, you're never going to forget it again. It is just like Habakkuk. It is exactly where we are. And I've really prayed... And I want to share with you my first prayer when I began to do this, and the Lord put this on my heart. I, I made certain that I, I stopped and I prayed and I said, Lord, I want to see the truth in this book. I really want to see exactly, I want the mind and the heart that, of the Holy Spirit through Jude that you reveal to him the truth. I want to see that for myself, and I want to know the meanings of this. And uh I've just done some great work for you, I think, as the Lord led me. Not that I did it, but it just the, the Lord just showed me some great truth for you. Folks, this is where we are. Let's look at the first two or three verses right here. And I want you to read the entire book. But if I begin to read it, the, these few verses every week, we can't get there. So you're going to have to read it on your own, and I'm going to take care of the text as we go. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and the brother of James, to those who have been called... Those who are loved by the God, by the God the Father, and by the God the Father, and kept by Jesus Christ. And how is He going to keep us? I'm going to show you this grammatically when we get there. But we're going to be kept through mercy, through peace, and love. And may that He says He says He doesn't pray in a prayer. Hope that'll be yours. He says it'll be yours. It is yours in abundance. And then here's the reason, dear friends. I was very eager to write to you about the salvation that we share. <clears throat> I felt that I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted or given to the saints for certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They're godless men who changed the grace of our God into a license for immorality and they deny Jesus Christ our only sovereign Lord. And so here, basically, very quickly, Jude says, I want to challenge you, I want to call you to contend for the faith of Jesus Christ. He says, I want to write to you, I, had, I wanted to write to you about something else. I, I, had to, I wanted to talk about the koinonia, the, the fellowship of our, of our beliefs about our salvation, but the Lord led me in a different direction. Aren't you glad that there's men out there that get led in a different in a direction that God wants us to go? Totally different. There's times I come with a message, and and I have on my heart this is where this is direction it's going to go. I preach the message, and when I get finished, I think, boy, the Lord took that in a totally different direction. Same material, but to see God's hand upon it when you preach it. In 1994, I was I was so blessed to be in Memphis, Tennessee in seminary, but I saw something like I'd never seen. The first thing I saw was the Mississippi River, and I went down and I drove across it, and it was literally in a place where we crossed there in Memphis, about a mile and a half, two miles across that river. It's unbelievable to see all that water, 
And I thought growing up in Augusta, the Savannah River was big. But when I saw the Mississippi River and Mud Island, well, something very unique happened. If you'll remember, if you can remember that far back, there was a huge flood. There was rain in, in the Midwest and, uh, and up all through the, the Delta there and through Arkansas and, and uh, Tennessee and Missouri and all up through in Kentucky. And as that water came down, the Mississippian came through Memphis. There were so many places there that flooded. I have some great memories that were etched in my mind just getting there and seeing that big river, the Mississippi River, coming through Memphis. There's one picture that I have in my mind <clears throat> that was on the news that I kept seeing that people showed. There was a farmer there, and what had happened, the, the, the banks of the river just couldn't hold it, and it just the water went out into the farmlands, flooded all of the farmland and tore up barns, it tore up tractors, the, the livestock, some of them, they got their livestock out, and some of the farmers couldn't, their livestock drowned, it was horrible, the water was deep, many of the levees and the banks there that they had near the cities uh, uh, ruptured and broke, and they just couldn't hold back the force of that, and one picture I have in my mind that I see that I just can't get over, there was one man who'd lost everything but right around his house had sandbags, and they were stacked up. And this man had lost just about everything that he owned, but he had a generator and a pump inside those sandbags. Well, you know, sandbags aren't waterproof, so they held the water back. But here he was. That man was fighting with every fiber of his being to protect the last thing that he had was his home. And they can replant the fields when it gets fixed, but if you'll know, the, the river sand that comes out puts all kind of weeds, and it, it just makes your farmland terrible when that happens and takes some years to get all of that fixed. But I saw and looked, and the helicopters were coming over this man's house, and there he was, fighting with everything he had, having people deliver him fuel by way of boats so that he could keep that generator running. And the water that was coming in, they were pumping it out as fast as it was coming in, but he was hanging on. He was protecting his home. And I want to tell you, as I get into the book of Jude, you're going to find out that the word contending here, that's what it means. That man was fighting with everything that he had, with every prayer that he could pray, with all the energy he could muster up. He thought, this thing that's right here is my home, and I'm going to protect it, and I'm not going to lose to the mighty Mississippi River. And I want to tell you, that's the way we are today. We feel like the things that we hold near and dear and that are true to our hearts, we have to protect them. And today's message is the challenge. This is the introduction to where we are. This is the challenge today. I want to remind you of where we are, mention some things about what's going on in our world, and to call you and challenge you to defend the faith. And I think that we've forgotten about how important it is to defend what we have. So this is our challenge to the people. I'm specifically speaking to you and to everyone listening to me today that the Scripture says that we are to contend for the faith. Jude tells us to do the same thing with the precious truths that we have. And we have got to do this. And people, I want to tell you, people of God, we can be so overwhelmed by continuing this fight constantly and we're inundated on every turn by all of the wickednesses in our world. I, I tell you, I've never seen it like this in my entire life of the wickedness and the terrible things that are going on there, the spiritual warfare that we face each and every day. And most of the church of Jesus Christ right now 
is in their daily little struggles, their daily little small spiritual struggles, uh, putting out little bitty fires in their life, they don't have time to defend the gospel. They're not spiritually mature enough to do it. And listen, when God tells us in the Word to grow thereby, this is why. So that when we get in days and ages like this, that we can literally begin to fight the fight. Let me remind you, the Scripture says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. It doesn't say that the church has gates and that we have to fight off the devil. No, that's not what it says. It says that we should be on the attack and the gates of hell will not prevail against us. I think we've got it backwards. And we're, we're allowing the other side to win. The evil one is winning today. And Jude calls his people here. He said, man, I started to write to you, and I wanted to share some great things with you. I wanted to shout hallelujah, and oh, we have a great salvation. But then the Spirit of God came upon me, and, and the Lord urged me to write you a different message. And that's the message pastor's coming with today. I'm calling you. I'm challenging you. And I want to tell you, it's not going to be easy. And here's what he says, 2 John uh, and verse 8. Watch out that you do not lose what you have worked for. But uh, in Jude, he says, watch out so that you don't lose what you've worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. You see, we don't want to lose what, we, what we've worked for already. And I'm afraid that we've lost a lot of what we've worked for. When you think about our own convention and other things that are coming on politically, here's what I saw yesterday. We're losing the battle in many ways, but people are having a fit because we may be about to win one of the biggest battles on abortion that we've ever won. And they're having a fit. And people are thinking, oh, what if this is overturned? It's about time it got overturned. And I saw a woman yesterday uh, and literally cuddling her baby she was there feeding her child, and she looks down at her baby, and she says, It was my choice. I chose you to live. I could have killed you. Now, that's the day and age we live in. People commented on it and said, That's the sickest thing I ever heard. Well, I got news for you. There's, that, that is sick. And there's much more that's even sicker than that. We live in a sick day and age. And, and for a pastor to get up and preach these types of things, it rubs up against people so dead. I mean, it's, it's like sandpaper rubbing together. They just can't take it. But I want to tell you, you're about to hear some truth from the pulpit. And you're going to hear it through this book. Jude told us the truth, and we're going to preach the truth. I do believe that we are in the worst time in history for maintaining our spiritual disciplines and our faith. The faith of the New Testament church is being compromised. It is literally being altogether done away with. And can I say, who's doing this? Who is this? These are the apostates. And, and this is the key word in the book of Jude. So many people's information that I read about the book of Jude. You know what? They totally missed it. They totally missed it. This is about the apostates. This is about people who've fallen away. This is people that have stepped aside. Well, who are these? I tell you, apostasy is not something that happens occasionally anymore. We are, listen, we are in the age of apostasy. This, this is the day in the age of apostasy. Uh, theologians have lost their minds. Preachers, let me just start with the preachers. The preachers are preaching some of the most idiotic, crazy theologies and just step totally away from God. The churches have fallen. 
why would these preachers have pulpits if the churches weren't, weren't supporting this? The authors, people that you've bought their books, people that I know and love have read their material that was biblical are now coming back and apologizing for what they had written before. What kind of world do we live in? You're going to have to stand before God Almighty one day and you're going to have to say, well, I was a Christian. I did this and I did that. And, and, Lord, and then he's going to say, yeah, but you apologize to the sinners. The conference speakers, the musicians, conventions. Brother Jerry, could entire denominations be going to hell? Could it? Could it be? People watering down the message, the progressive agenda, gay theology. We're submerged in tolerance today and heretical teachings. Modern-day Christianity is about as worthless as Roman paganism in the days of Paul the Apostle. And Paul had to come out. Can you imagine what it was like in that day where homosexuality was rampant? And Paul the Apostle said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Sometimes when you're at work and you're in different places and you give an opposite view, man, you, I, mean, you, I mean, literally, you feel like a hair in a punch bowl. I mean, you feel like you're the only person there. You're the oddball in the group, man. And you back off because you feel ashamed. I want to tell you something. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Stand up and speak the truth. Amen. We need an Ezekiel. You know what we need in the Southern Baptist Convention? We need a W.A. Criswell. That's what we need. Who was willing to stand up and call the people in those conferences who were fighting against the authority of the Bible? He said, You can call it whatever you want to, but a skunk by any other name still stinks. That's what W.A. Criswell said. Is there a man now today that's willing to go say that? No, it might hurt somebody's wood of feelings. Where their little feelings are going to really get hurt when Jesus comes. I would call it today a woke gospel or cancel culture gospel. <clears throat> now, I'm not sure of what Jude was fighting. I do know. I don't know if it was cancel culture, but he tells us right here in his book that there were people who were using grace as a license for immorality. And I'm going to 2 John next. And John talks about the truth and love. And John says, I love you, but I'm telling you the truth. And in the first few verses of 2 John, he constantly talks about, I think it's nine or ten times, he uses the word love and truth, love and truth, love and truth. And today what we have is love, but we don't have any truth. And I don't know what Jude was fighting, but I do know that he was fighting this, that there were people who were coming into the church, into the pulpit, and he says, these people have slipped in. Jude tells us this. These people are in the church. You say, Brother Jerry, we're the Christian church this morning. I guarantee you, I, I've been in the ministry for 35, 40 years. Let me tell you, they creep in just like Jude said. They're in the church. That's where they are. And he says, oh, man, no. Where are the preachers? Listen, if you doubted anything that I just said, you may have been fooled by some of them already. Preachers and many apostates have adopted a gospel that's not offensive at all. It's soft shoe peddling gospel. I'll tell you, they're here with us, man. They're there. People get offended by it. I'm not here to offend this morning. It's the last thing I want to do. I do want to tell you about the love of Jesus. Amen? I want to tell you about the love of Christ. But I want to tell you, if you reject the love of Christ, you're going to pay for it one day. You're going to be in trouble. Now, I'm not saying that I want to be offensive, but that sometimes we have to say as God's people, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And, and let me tell you, if you were to speak the truth, if you were to speak the, the content of your faith, 
If you call sin, sin, the heretics, the liberals, the preachers, the educators, the politicians, even the celebrities, and some of your best friends at church are going to try to nail you to the wall. And you've got to be willing to stand up for the truth. You've got to say, I'll take the heat. The Son of God took the heat for you and me on the cross. Did he not? He, he, he was shamed and beaten. Here's the warning. This is the warning. I, I'm telling you, if you stand for the truth, it's not going to be easy. We're coming into some days. My preaching has changed. I used to say, we're, one day you're going to be persecuted for your faith. One day you're going to be called out. One day you're going to be made fun of. That day is gone. Now's the day. They think, they think you're crazy. They think you're foolish. And when you read through Jude, he says, listen, these people have crept into the churches and they've changed it. They've said, hey, he uses the word for change. He says, they've changed the grace of God into an excuse for immorality. Well, uh, Jesus is my Lord. Oh, he's my Lord. Can I tell you, I'm going to share this, the full story with you later on. Not today, but we're getting there. But one uh, person of different persuasion preaching in a Lutheran church excuse my colloquial language, but said when Jesus was talking to the Pharaoh's, the Phoenician woman, Syro-Phoenician woman, he screwed up, and she had to redeem Jesus. Y'all all right? That he called her a racial slur and put her down for being a woman, and she had to remind Jesus of what he was there for. That's what she said. Y'all all right? Listen, that's what's going on in our world. This is craziness. And this is the apostate book. And I want to ask you today, will you stand with your pastor? Will you stand with me as I preach the truth? Not my opinions, not my pet peeves, but right here in the book. And we're going to go right through this book, example by example by example by example. And I want to tell you they're hot. They're smoking. And Jude's not pulling any punches, and he's laying it down. And he's saying, this is the truth. And you know what was going on in that day? People were denying that Jesus was actually a real man. And he had to stand for the deity of Jesus Christ. And anybody who would say literally that Jesus screwed up and had to be redeemed is a false prophet, and we've got to call them out. And we've got to say that that's happening. And I want to tell you, I used to say this to you. And as a matter of fact, I went back through and I read some of my notes, and I saw my notes. I put, I know that this is an extreme case. Can I tell you, I'm going to go back and take that out because it's not an extreme case anymore. It's everywhere in every institution that we have. Every one of them, including the church, including our seminaries, in, in, our, in our educational system, in the political system. It's in the military for crying out loud. Liberty University has come out now. They've got them an inclusive, divergent professional to teach people how to act and include all the people. The key word for today is inclusive. And I want to tell you, heaven is not inclusive. It's for born-again people who have come to Jesus Christ and been cleansed by their sin and born again. Not even heaven is inclusive. Dr. Gray Allison says that this is a book of apostasy. It's the term falling away. And you're going to hear me use this over and over again. He says there are people that are out there who are mouth professors but not heart possessors. You said, Brother Jerry, can that really be true? How could this happen? Could there really be people who listen to you preach every week, week in and week out? Could I be one of those people? 
Brother Jerry, could you be one of those people? Are there really preachers in the pulpit who claim to know Jesus Christ that are preaching who are lost and not even saved? Absolutely. Absolutely. There are whole denominations who are going to hell because they've decided that they want to make their own way of righteousness and how to get to heaven. They're apostates. If you could not say with me, these things are serious. If you could not say with me, Pastor Jerry, I'm going to stand with you and we're going to teach the truth. Am I perfect? Am I holy? I'm the holiest, righteous person here? No. But I tell you what, this one is. <laughs> and I'm going to tell the truth. You know why? Because I want to be holy and I want to be righteous and I want to rub up against the Word of God and have it change me. Not me change it. These passages tell us that before the return of Jesus Christ, two things are going to happen. And, and if you can't see this, you have to be lost now. The Bible says, first, there are going to be false teachers that will arise. And secondly, it says that there will be a great falling away. Do we have false teachers? Is there a great falling away? Jerry Falwell is turning over in his grave right now what they're doing at Liberty University. You know what I thought about not too long ago? Two years ago, I was thinking about calling Liberty and find out what it would take, how much it would cost, and what was the course for, to get my, my, my doctorate. Guess what? I ain't calling them back. You know why? They're going heretical. They're going apostate because they're more concerned about what the inclusive, tolerant crowd thinks than what God thinks. Y'all all right? And there's some people in our own convention. I'm not pulling any punches. I'm not talking about other people. I'm talking about us. If judgment begins at the household of God, where does it leave the sinner? Y'all all right? Listen to these passages right here. These verses are so apropos. In 2 Thessalonians in 2.3, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there be a falling away. Paul said to the Thessalonian church, Don't be afraid that the rapture has already happened. Uh, don't be afraid that the second coming has happened, because first the Antichrist has to come on the scene, and there has to be a great falling away. Now, I can't prove this to you, and I, and I admit publicly, I cannot say that the Scripture says this, but I can tell you I'm looking at the signs, and I believe that the Son of God is coming. I believe the rapture of the church is right around the corner. I believe that God may come before I get through preaching. That's how passionate I am about this. And when I teach you and show you the words that Jude uses in this passage, he says, I wanted to do this, but the Holy Spirit, the paraclete came alongside of me and said, no, you talk to the people about false teachers because they were coming into the churches and they were telling people exactly what they're telling them today. This is so apropos for right now. They came in and they said, oh, you can sin, do whatever you want to because grace is here. You can be forgiven in God. The woman who said what I told you a while ago claims to be a believer. Oh, he's my redeemer, but that day he had to be redeemed. If he had to re be redeemed, he's not a redeemer. The word apostasy means to divorce or to separate. This is to fall from or go beside. It means to fall away. The evangelical church today has fallen aside to keep the, th the things that we hold dear. Do you understand what I'm saying? That the things that we hold dear, we've got to protect those things. I'm getting ahead of myself, but look right here. Look, look what he says. Keep, in verse 4, he says, keep. Verse 2, keep 
He says, these are the things I'm praying. I want God to keep you. You know what the word for keep right there means? The word right there means a, a lot of different things. It's a military term, but it means to put a fortress around something to protect it. And, and, and one of the definitions is an illustration of a man who's protecting his daughter's purity until marriage. Now that's keeping something. You're watching all the little fellows that come out of the house that want to date your daughter. And he's saying here, you put a fortress around her, and you protect her, and you keep it. Why do you keep it so hard? Because it's precious to you. And Jude uses the same word. He said, these are the things that God has given us to contend for the faith, and they're important to me. We've got these pansies in the pulpit who are going to face Jesus Christ one day. And they're going to look him face to face. This lady says, oh, what she's going to tell God when she gets there. Well, first, you've got to get there. And you're not going to tell him anything when you get there. You're going to be on your face praising him, if anything, whether you like it or not, Philippians chapter 2, right? I tell you the truth, Luke says. He will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, here's the question. Will he find faith on the earth? He's going to find faith on the earth because I'm going to hang in there, baby. 1 Timothy 4.1 Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. That's what people are doing today. The pulpit is full of devils and wicked spirits. For a time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but... But after their own lust, they'll heap up teachers that tell them what their itching ears want to know. Y'all are special. You came this morning to hear the truth. You want the truth. You desire the truth. You know why? You know why? Because you're saved. But when you want to do what you want to do, you get you a, a, a man or a woman that will tell you everything's okay. Oh, God is love. He just loves everybody. Peter says this, but there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false prophets among you. Listen, who privily they shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction, and many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. They're speaking, you see, Today, they're not just denying the truth. They're, they're speaking evil of the truth. It's bad. You people, pro-life people, it's bad. That's bad. How can you infringe upon my rights? How about the baby's rights? He's a human being. We are specifically told that before Jesus comes, apostasy and false teachers are going to come about. Y'all turn to Hebrews chapter 6 for me a minute. And I felt that I need to share this with you. It wasn't in my notes, but the Lord put this on my heart this morning. I want to show you Hebrews chapter 6 and, and look around verse 4 or 5. I, I want you to see this. You say, Brother Jerry, is this really real? Is this really what's going on? Amen. This is exactly what's going on. In Hebrews chapter 6, I want to show you this because some people just flat out don't believe this. And, and you see, you say, I've told you before, some people can get beyond redemption. You say, Brother Jerry, that's not true. I said, well, let's just read the Word and see what it says. Watch. Hebrews 6, verse 4. It's impossible for those. Now, don't you look back at verse number 11. See, he's not talking to Christian people. Look, we have much to say about this. 
We, who is we? The saved people. We, look at verse 6. It's impossible for those. They're not the we. These are people who have once been enlightened, who've tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the coming age, if they apostatize, if they fall away, to be brought back to repentance because to their loss, they're crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting Him to public disgrace and shame. Here, here's, listen very carefully. Those of you listening to me by way of the Internet, you listen very carefully. There are people who come into the house of God they feel the Holy Spirit working. They see the Holy Spirit moving. They hear the Word of God. They know that it's true. They see the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and then they turn away from it. And when they turn away from it, he says, it's impossible for those who've turned away from it, who've apostatized from it. There are people who have actually heard the Word and benefited from it. They heard the truth. They applied it. They saw that it was true and never gave their life to Jesus Christ. They apostatized. They fell away. Listen, I've seen people so nervous they have to get up and go out while I'm preaching. They, they felt the drawing of the Holy Spirit and rejected it. Seen it happen over and over again. That's what Jude's talking about. There are people who are in your fellowship. Where do you think the false teachers are? Where do you think the people who have apostatized? He said, they're in the church, he says. They crept in alongside of you and they tried to change things. Can I ask you this? Why do liberal people always get whether they're liberal politically or liberal theologically, why do they infiltrate an organization that's already successful? And when they do, what happens to it? They destroy it. Liberalism never grows anything. Y'all all right? I've scared y'all to death this morning, haven't I? Preach it, brother. Come on. We're specifically told that the return of Jesus Christ will come when the apostasy comes. I'm looking for Jesus. A lot of people don't believe me. They say, Brother Jerry, how in the world could a person sit and listen to the gospel of Jesus Christ? How could people be involved in the church and do things for the Lord and still be lost? Well, I tell you what, I'm not going to answer that question. I'm going to let Jesus answer it. Y'all all right with that? Would you believe me if I told you what Jesus said? And here's what Jesus said. Now, everyone that saith to me, Lord, Lord, shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Everybody that comes around here that says, oh, yeah, I'm a born-again believer. I had a man tell me about four weeks ago, oh, I'm a believer, but I don't go to church. Not everyone that said, oh, I'm a, I, I called on the Lord. I called on Jesus. I called on the Lord. You're not a believer. But he that doeth the will of my Father that's in heaven. Can I just say to you, if you're a believer in the Son of God who's in charge and created the church of, the, of Jesus Christ, the New Testament church, Y'all to be in the New Testament church somewhere. Y'all all right? Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we preach? There'll be some people that preached in the pulpit, he said, that prophesied in the name of the Lord. And there's people that believe just any prophecy that comes along. They prophesied in the name of the Lord. They've cast out devils. Oh, we did an exorcism. We're holy and righteous people. Hogwash. He says, oh, we've done many works of miracles in your name, but they're lost. And then, will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. 
Did you know if you're not working with God in his will, what you're doing is being a worker of iniquity? Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. That's the last verse in the Sermon on the Mount. Wow. This little book of a Jude is about apostasy. It's about false teaching. It's about mouth professors, but they're not heart possessors. The message is to us, it is to the church. It is the consequences and the warning of those who believe in Jesus Christ and the truth of Jesus Christ. And for those who do not accept it, the, the, the eternal damnable life that they will experience, eternal separation, I beg you to listen to me. Eternal separation and being led away by false teachers has become commonplace today. Many people have been led astray, and many of them have just fallen away by their own free will. Now, I've got a slide up here, and I'm just going to show you this. I, I mean, I just feel like I need to, because somebody's going to say, oh, Brother Jerry was really excited this morning. Is all this really true? And so <clears throat> I, I want to show you that what a church has done. Mike, you may have to come help them up there. See, Nope. I want you to read this, okay? There's a church, collegiate church in Fort Washington. This is what they had in their pulpit. James Admins, just one of the staff members on this lovely church. Now flip it again. One more slide there. Let's see here. Yeah, one more slide. If it, it, Preaching, quote, preaching from Genesis chapter 9 one of the greatest passages in the Old Testament where God made his covenant with Noah. If it isn't bad enough that a drag queen takes the pulpit, what's worse is that one gets up in front of something and calls itself a church and preaches on Genesis 9. Genesis 9, passage about the covenant with Noah. This person stands and mocks along with the whole congregation. This sermon was preached on coming out Sunday at Fort Washington Collegiate Church. That was coming out Sunday. The next slide. Now watch this. This is beautiful right here. Let me tell you. Don't you think it's kind of weird that we teach this story to children? I mean, if you think about it, imagine yourself as a child, or if you are a child, imagine yourself right here as you are now in Sunday school, and on your second day of Sunday school, you're taught that God was once and was so angry that he destroyed every living thing on earth except for one family and heterosexual pairs of each animal. Do you, do you get the drift of why this was done? You, you, I mean, what an absolute disgrace. Forgive us, Lord. Jeff, you're right. I mean, how? my question is how could a church allow this to happen? I know that was rough. I understand that that rubs up against your soul. But I want you to hear me, and I want you to hear me good this morning. The challenge has been laid down. We have to contend for the faith. You say, well, that couldn't happen in the Southern Baptist Convention. <laughs> yes, it can. Can I tell you it is happening? It's happening in our convention. It's happening in our schools church in Florida 
just had the same thing go on. You, you see, the false teachers want this to be commonplace. You, you remember a long time ago when the sitcoms started introducing us to people on those little shows? And through little comedy shows, we've learned that everything is okay. There's nothing that's held back from you anymore. It's all vivid. It's open. It's right in front of you. And God help us. Our children are being exposed to things where their innocence is being lost. And can I say to you, when the innocence is lost, it's lost. You can't get it back. Parents are having to have conversations with the kids right now they shouldn't have to have. But we have to because we have to teach them. You, you know what? The one thing is that that was true. God became so angry with people and their sinful lifestyles and turning away from what God was trying to reach his people with holiness and righteousness and what was good for them. And they kept, they kept just rejecting God. <clears throat> Israel. One of the examples I have for you later on is this story with Jesus and the Syrophoenician woman. And, and the purpose of that totally missed that God was going to bring the gospel because Jesus mistreated this woman and said, I can't give what I brought to my children to the dogs. There was a purpose in that saying. There's a whole group of people that today we know that the Gentiles were dogs. And the purpose of it, that our great and mighty and holy God even took the dogs and made us holy and righteous and brought us into the kingdom. Totally missed. But that Jesus messed up. And the woman had to redeem him and remind him what his calling really was. That's what she said. Whew. Mighty quiet in here. I tell you. Does that rub up against your soul? Does it make you angry? I hope so. It should make you furious. And right now, we need to be writing the trustees in the Southern Baptist Convention and say, keep it up. Put the pedal down. Keep forcing it. Stand for the truth. And I tell you, you I'm just telling you, if you stand for the truth, you're going to lose friends. You're going to lose family members. You're gonna, we have to stand for the truth. I understand that many of you are dealing with this in your own families. So am I. Love, truth and love. Not truth, not love, truth and love. That's how we reach them. We love people into the kingdom, but you're not going to love them into the kingdom with love. You'll love them into the kingdom with love and truth. So from here on out. Now next week, that, that was just a challenge this morning. Next week, we start the book introduction. And we'll work our way through that very quickly. And then we're going to get to the meat, to the meat of this. L let's keep and hold near and dear the things that are precious to us. Come what may. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray <clears throat> that you'll help us this morning. These words are tough, but they're the signs of the times. And Lord, unfortunately... I've only shared the surface of some of my research and some, a surface layer of the things that people have sent me and shown me 
that they've said, Pastor, I can't believe this is going on. Lord, we've come to a place where a, a mother would look at her infant in her arms and tell her very own infant that she birthed. I could have killed you if I wanted to because it's my choice. Lord, where are we at? Lord, we remember back to the very first message in Habakkuk. And he said, Lord, how long can this go on? Lord, would you come? Would you rescue us? Would you help us? And Lord, I pray the same thing, not to doubt, but to say, God, we trust you. We learned our lesson in Habakkuk. We learned that you're in control and you're sovereign and you do have a plan and that you do punish. Lord, forgive us. God, forgive us. And I pray, Father, for us as a church that we'll stand for the truth and that we'll be that shining light of who Jesus Christ is and that in these latter days, and God, I do believe it's the latter days, I pray in these latter days we can take as many people to heaven as we can that will love the sinners but hate the sin, that will draw them. Lord, we know that we have the advantage because folks are empty inside. People are scared right now. They're, they're bewildered and they're confused. They don't understand what life is all about. Help us to give them the message of the gospel. And I pray that even right now, Father, you would bless. And folks who are listening by way of Internet that today, they would just get on their knees right now and ask Christ to save them, confess their sins, and let, let Jesus Christ come into their hearts. Holy Spirit, I ask you to move in this moment. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Will you stand with me? Will you sing? Will you surrender everything to Christ this morning?